Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. I don't know what they were saying or what they were doing, but Paul could have bemoaned the fact that others were trying to make it life difficult for him. He's already in prison, already for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, praise the Lord, the gospel is being preached. People are hearing the word. Why did he think that way? I believe he got that perspective at the throne of grace. Right in the middle of the word anxiety is the letter I. Anxiety plagues the world. It can't be denied. It can work its way into our lives and overtake our thoughts. Pastor Ed makes an interesting observation, though. In the middle of the word anxiety is the letter I. In other words, when we get wrapped up in our own lives and lose focus on Him, we're susceptible to worry. Today's message is an encouragement from the Apostle Paul, though. We can refocus our attention on Jesus, putting Him at the center of our world, and live worry-free knowing He is in control. Now here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with his continuing study entitled, Don't Be Anxious About Anything. Dr. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic said, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. He said, I've never known a man who died of overwork, but many have died from doubt. God doesn't want us to live in the land of what ifs. People live in that prison house. What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, People live in the land of, if only, if only I did this, if only I did. And it becomes a prison house that keeps them held and keeps them captive. We're on this journey of life. There are real worries and there are imagined worries. But neither are legitimate for us to embrace. Because a Christian should be characterized by faith. Trust in God. In the classic peanut comic strip, Lucy and Linus are looking outside of a window and it's pouring down rain. And Lucy turns to Linus and she says, Boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? Now Linus confidently replies, It will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that it would never happen again. And the sign of his promise is the rainbow. With a relieved smile, Lucy responds by saying, You've taken a great load off my mind. Linus then states, Sound theology has a way of doing that. You know, we ought to let God... Deal with the problems. He's willing to do that. I read and I heard about a man who was constantly worrying. I mean, he'd worry about his job, he'd worry about his family, he'd worry about his health, constantly worrying. And so in a glib fashion, a friend of his said, Stop worrying. Just hire somebody to do it for you. (laughs) A week later, the guy saw his friend who always was worrying, and he seemed rather happy. And he said, "Uh, 
what happened? He said, I did what you said. I hired somebody to worry for me. He said, well, what are you paying him? He said, oh, over $200,000. He says, you don't have that kind of money. He said, well, that's his worry. (laughs) God promises to take care of the sparrow. Not one of them falls to the ground without him noticing. God's going to take care of you. It was George Mueller who said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Paul the Apostle looks at this problem of worry, of anxiety. People borrowing from the future, looking at the past and trying to bring the concerns of the past. So it robs them of the present. It steals them of the moment. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't be anxious about anything. And then he gives the solution. It's found in verse 6. But in everything, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We need to take all of the burdens, all of the things that seem to knock on the door of our life and try to crowd in and rob us of our peace, we need to take it to God in prayer. Now, He describes prayer in verse 6. He says, pray about everything. Prayer, petition, request. Prayer is a general word of worshiping God. And so in the context of worship, you pray and you bring it to God. And then he says, by petition. That is to entreat, to supplicate, to get on your face before God and say, Oh God, here I am. You know my concerns. I've done that. Haven't you? Well, you just got on your face before the Lord and you felt overwhelmed by a situation. It felt so dark, so dismal. You just had to cry out to God and say, Oh, God, help me. And God does it. When you find that secret place, that hidden place of prayer, you'll find that God does something on the inside and he lifts those burdens. I can't explain it. I could just describe it. And then he uses another word, request. That's your agenda. That's bringing those things to the Lord. Worry is fear thought, not forethought. It is cured by prayer thought. Worry is fear thought, not forethought. It is cured by prayer thought. So pray about everything. Then pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. That's an attitude of, I believe you, Lord. How many here have had answered prayers? God's answered some prayer along the way. God has a good track record with you. All right. God's taking care of you. He's answered those prayers. Well, if he's done it in the past, it's an indication that he's going to continue to do it in the present and in the future. And so this idea of thanksgiving is this idea of confidence in God. Oh, Lord, I trust you. I believe that you answer prayer. I believe that you're going to respond. Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, she's home to be with the Lord now. But Ruth Graham, while she was alive, wrote about an experience she had with her son. One of her sons was so rebellious, he was a living a wild, sinful lifestyle. And she just couldn't deal emotionally with it. One night, 
she was praying. And she watched the clock turn from 12 to 1 to 2 to 3 to 4. She just finally opened her Bible and she turned to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and she suddenly realized there was a missing ingredient to her prayer. She was not giving thanks. She wasn't thanking the Lord. And so this is what Ruth Graham said. These are her words. I began to thank God for giving me this one I love so dearly in the first place, her son. I even thanked him for the difficult spots which had taught me so much. And you know what happened? It was as if someone turned on the light in my mind and heart. And the little fears and worries that had been nibbling away in the darkness like mice and cockroaches hardly scurried for cover. That was when I learned that worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. They are mutually exclusive. Begin worshiping. Paul said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Little things and big things. Small things and huge concerns. Bring it all to the Lord in the context of thanksgiving. That's his solution. But then he has a strategy. Because you know how those thoughts could just come back after you've prayed. And the thought comes back. It wants to invade your mind. It wants to capture your thinking. Here's the strategy. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul gives us a strategy to overcome our anxieties. First, he talks about cognitive therapy. Cognitive therapy. Your thinking, your mind. There are times that you have to bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. It's not always easy. Your mind wants to race around the track of worry and discouragement and anxiety and you just build a rut deeper and deeper and it's harder and harder to dig it out so Paul says here's a therapy take control of your thoughts and then he says think about whatever's true God's word the truth of scripture whatever is noble that's something honorable something that claims respect whatever is right things that are just and right, whatever is pure. Oh, pure thoughts, holy thoughts. He says, whatever is lovely, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Read, meditate, get the word in you and get into the word. And you will find that your mind gets renewed. And you begin to think with God's perspective. You'll have a biblical worldview, a spiritual worldview, cognitive therapy. Let God take control of your mind. But he doesn't stop there. He goes into behavioral therapy. How we 
think and how we act. Our mind and our activities. So in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, seen in me, put it into practice. Notice, put it into practice. Paul, how did you handle the stresses? Rejoice in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. Paul practiced what he preached. You'd see him with the joy of the Lord, in spite of the fact he went through very difficult times. Now the reality is you may be struggling with the future of your job. You may be struggling with the future of your income. You may be burdened with your health. But put it in the Lord's hand. Trust him. He was there when you took your first breath. He'll be there when you take your last step. All the days ordained for you were written in his book. This world is not the whole story. There's another story. There's an eternity ahead of us. And Christians don't look at this life the way the unsaved look at this life. If you were unsaved and you didn't know Christ, there's plenty to be anxious about. But if you're saved and you're a born-again Christian and you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you have the hope of heaven, the promise of eternal life. He said, don't worry. William James wrote in the Principles of Psychology, he said, could the young but realize how soon they will become mere walking bundles of habits? They would give mere heed to their conduct while it is in the plastic state. We are spinning our own fates, good or evil, and never to be undone. Every smallest stroke of virtue or vice leaves its never so little scar. Start off young and you complain about this and you complain about that. You complain about the other thing. Oh, it becomes a habit. Oh, my parents don't treat me well. Yeah, you get married. My spouse doesn't treat me well. My children don't treat me well. Ah, just that becomes the journey for you. You're developing a way of thinking, a way of habits, a, a mentality. And Paul is saying, watch how I live. He saw the grace of God in the most difficult of situations. Where did he get the perspective when there were those who were free and they were preaching the gospel and they were preaching so as to make his imprisonment more difficult? I don't know what they were saying or what they were doing, but Paul could have bemoaned the fact that others were trying to make it life difficult for him. He's already in prison, already for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, praise the Lord, the gospel is being preached. People are hearing the word. Why did he think that way? I believe he got that perspective at the throne of grace. Right in the middle of the word anxiety is the letter I. When life centers around ourselves, we'll be anxiety-ridden. When it centers around God, ah, we'll be filled with a peace that transcends all understanding. See, we are making the person God has called us to be. Sometimes we take on burdens and concerns and cares 
that really belong to God, not to us. Maybe you need to sign your resignation as the manager of the universe. Let God handle it. He's sovereign. He's in control. He'll take care of tomorrow. Notice, if we sow a thought, we reap an act. If we sow an act, we reap a habit. If we sow a habit, we reap a character. If we sow a character, we reap a destiny. Paul says, here's the solution. Cognitive therapy. Think right. Get your thinking under control. Behave right. Say the right things. Act out right. And then the feelings will follow the activities and the actions. Oh, we're in terrible shape. Oh, the world's going to fall apart. Oh, look what's happening. I wonder when God gave up his throne. I wonder when God went off on a vacation. Is he still in control? Has anything really changed? Jesus said, you will have troubles. You will have difficulties. That's synonymous with the journey. But you don't have to embrace the anxieties that embrace our society and captivate people's emotions because we have a God who sits on the circle of the earth and he rules and he reigns. Watch what Paul says. If you follow his strategy and you embrace his solution, you pray and you think right, act right, guess what's going to happen? God's going to put a guard at your heart's door and at your mind's door. In verse 7, our security and the peace of God which transcends, transcends, you can't explain it, it's beyond comprehension, it transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why aren't you falling apart because my Lord sits on the throne? Why aren't you coming apart because the whole world is in his hands? One of uh, my favorite writers of previous generations was E. Stanley Jones, great missionary to India, wonderful man of God. He's written a lot of books. I have a, a good number of those books. But when E. Stanley Jones first went to India, the challenges that before, were before him and the stresses that were there began the way on him. And E. Stanley Jones says that he was working and he was worrying and he was suffering so much from nervous exhaustion, those are his words, that he collapsed, not once, but several times. Then he went on a boat back to the United States and he collapsed on the boat. He took about a year, a year sabbatical, a year rest. And then when he came back to Bombay... His co-workers noticed that he still was nervous and tense and anxious. And uh, they said to him, his colleagues warned him, uh, if you continue ministering in such a state of anxious care, it's going to be fatal to your health. 
So he said, according to his testimony, one night while praying, groping in an emotional darkness, he seemed to hear a voice ask him, Are you yourself ready for this work to which I have called you? No, Lord, he Stanley Jones replied. I am done for. I have reached the end of my resources. If you will turn that over to me and not worry about it, the voice seemed to say, I will take care of it. Jones answered, Lord, I close the bargain right here. Now, according to E. Stanley Jones, he said, the lady he wrote this, he said there was an incredible peace that filled him. It touched him from his head to his feet. And E. Stanley Jones wrote, This one thing I know, my life was completely transformed and uplifted that night. When at the depth of my weakness and depression, a voice said to me, If you will turn that over to me and not worry about it, I will take care of it. And I replied, Lord, I close the bargain right here. Some of you need to close the bargain. You need, instead of to be anxious and worried, you need to start praying with thanksgiving. And then you need to get control of your thoughts and then live like Paul lived, praising and thanking God with expectancy. I like the way Matthew Henry said this. The peace of God will keep us from sinning under our troubles and from sinking under them. The peace of God will keep us from sinning under our troubles and sinking under them. When we don't deal properly with anxieties and worries and stresses that are just a part of the journey, we will fall into sin and we'll cave and crush under it. But God promises us that the peace of God will keep our hearts and minds. It will be like a, a guard. That's a military word used right there. It's like a, a garrison of soldiers guarding your affections, your emotions, guarding your mind. We live in some very difficult days. But God, but God, he'll keep you. He'll help you. He'll never fail you. And the soldier, the Apostle Paul, this veteran of spiritual warfare, says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, present your request to the Lord with thanksgiving. So this morning, wherever you are in this journey, whatever might be trying to invade your peace and rob you of the peace that transcends all understanding. We just put it at the altar. And would you take his peace for your anxiety, his peace for your worry. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, 
to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.